Welcome to the Creekside Community Church Podcast. If you don't yet follow Jesus, we want to provide you with a safe place to explore the Christian faith. If you are a Christian, we want to provide you with resources to help you grow in your faith and ultimately serve Jesus more effectively. For more information or to partner with us, visit our website at creekside.cc. Subscribe so that you don't miss any of our messages. We hope this content helps you take your next step with Jesus. So in uh, January of this year, I did the very cliche thing and had a goal for myself to, uh, to lose some weight. And uh, proud to say, uh, so far, uh, between then and now, I've lost a grand total of seven pounds, which is, you know, super exciting since my goal is to lose twice that much in half that time, right? Uh, the classic thing. No, no. Uh, and I'm making a broader point with this. So I... I'm not at all, uh, the last thing I want is for 20 people to come up to me after the service and say, Luke, you look fine. Okay, that's not, uh, that's not what's going on here. Um, uh, if you ask me, like, what, what, what wrong? Why did you not lose as much weight as you, you wanted to or intended to? Um, there's probably a lot of reasons. Uh, there's probably some emotional reasons. I tend to use food in an emotional way when I shouldn't, right, as a comfort. Um, uh, maybe that even some family of origin stuff. I, I don't even know all the rules. But I can tell you one thing that isn't one of the reasons why I didn't lose the weight. Uh, one of the reasons is not for lack of understanding. Uh, if you think about weight loss, and if you've done any research at all, you know this, and probably all of us just know this because it's pretty obvious. Uh, there's the golden rule of weight loss. Do you want to know what it is? No, oh, that's... So close. All right. It's, you have to consume fewer calories than you expend. That's it. Uh, yeah, now, now you know, right? You didn't know this, right? You have to consume fewer calories than you expend. That's it. So if you want to lose weight, you have to either uh, consume fewer calories than normal, or you have to expend more calories than normal, right? Exercise more, or eat less, or both. There you go. You're welcome. Just uh, solve that for you. And here's my simple point. Uh, all of us know this, right? Uh, it's very obvious. Uh, and if knowing was simply enough, all of us would maybe be a lot more healthier looking, right? And it's one thing to understand something, and especially simple things are the, tend to be this way, right? That's not a complicated rule. So easy to understand, but doing it is where the difficulty lies, right? One thing to understand, another thing to actually do it. And that exact same dynamic is at play in what we're going to look at today from Jesus' teaching. Uh, what we're going to look at, it comes from the very center of Jesus' teaching. And it's uh, this, this point that he drove home in so many ways, through his own example, through his direct teaching. And we're going we're gonna to look at this teaching that is at the same time so simple and so difficult. Love your enemies, Jesus is going to teach us. Oh, that's easy. It's easy to understand, right? So difficult to actually do. And what's funny to me is actually when you look at both, you know, this golden rule of weight loss as well as this golden rule of Jesus's, the same thing happens with both. Because it's so easy to understand but so hard to do, it's almost like we can't accept that it's actually that easy. Or, sorry, we can't accept that it's actually that simple, 
and we try and complicate it. Right? I mean, you see all kinds of fad diets. Right? Oh, no, no, it's not just about you know, fewer calories and more calories. If you do this diet, then you can eat more and still lose weight, right? <laughs> we try and figure out ways around the rules, that simple rule. And we as Christians tend to do the same thing with this rule of love, right? Well, Jesus didn't really mean those people. <laughs> or maybe in some cases, love doesn't look exactly like that, right? And the truth is we, we can't get around it. And so uh, we're not going to try and get around it today. We're going to try and study it and understand what he meant and apply it to our lives. Uh, so if you have your Bible, go ahead and open up to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. And um, we're going to do... We're going to work through verses 17 through 49, but we're going to do it in a weird order. I think it'll make more sense as we do it, why I'm doing that, but this is a more logical order for us uh, today to cover it in. Uh, but first, just uh, the, the introduction to this sermon says this, uh, after coming down with them, and this is with the apostles that Jesus has just appointed, uh, it says that he stood on a level place with a large crowd of his disciples and a great number of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon. And they came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those tormented by unclean spirits were made well. The whole crowd was trying to touch him because power was coming out from him and healing them all. Uh, just a, a couple of observations, and I want to point out something that people actually argue about and get confused about with this, okay? So uh, what we're doing as a church is through the summer months, we're working our way through uh, Luke chapter 4 through... Question mark. We'll see how far we get, okay? Um, and we've been working our way through this biography of Jesus from the gospel writer Luke, who was a physician, and he interviewed eyewitnesses to come up with this account. And um, today we're looking at this famous teaching, which is often nicknamed the Sermon on the Plain. And it gets that nickname from what it says. Uh, after coming down with them, he stood on a level place with a large crowd of his disciples, and this is where he gives this teaching. Now, where the confusion comes is if you open up to a different gospel, the gospel of Matthew, and you look at Matthew 5 through 7, it's called the Sermon on the Mount. And it's almost identical to Luke's Sermon on the Plain. There's a few differences, and this just raises more questions. They're like, wait, wait, did he give the Sermon on the Mount, or did he give it on a plane? And the answer is Yes. Yes, he did. Uh, we think that this is Jesus' go-to sermon that he gave all over the place. You could call it his sermon at the lakeside and his sermon in the villages and his sermon, right? Uh, Matthew records one time Jesus gave this message. Luke is recording another time. Um, but we believe that, uh, and scholars are pretty sure that Jesus, this was his go-to message. And so what we're about to study is really important. This is a message that Jesus repeated um, in slightly different ways to different people, but all kinds of times throughout his ministry, he would have taught this teaching we're about to look at. And so it's right at the center of everything. And when you look at the, sec the center of this whole section of teaching, that's where we come across this difficult teaching. Simple to understand, but difficult to do. And Jesus says this to the crowds who were there, and I think he says it to us today. He says, but I say to you who listen, love your enemies. Do what is good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. And if anyone hits you on the cheek, offer the other also. And if anyone takes away your coat, don't hold back your shirt either. 
Give to everyone who asks you. And from someone who takes your things, don't ask for them back. Just as you want others to do for you, do the same for them. And that last verse uh, is known as the golden rule that uh, many of us know and have memorized. I was trying to boil down whatever, what Jesus says, and I think a good summary is just love everyone without exception. Love everyone, including your enemies. Love everyone, including those who do not love you. Easy. All right, let's go home. <laughs> no, right. Easy to understand, but not easy to do. And uh, I want to draw your attention to, to a couple things about this, because first of all, it's important to understand that Jesus, what Jesus isn't saying. He is not saying, I want you to feel warmth towards everyone, period, okay? He's not commanding a feeling, partly because I don't think feelings can be commanded. And the context of this actually makes that clear. If you look at the command is to love, and then he elaborates on that with everything that comes after, right? Bless those who curse you. Is, is blessing a feeling? No, it's something you do. You actively bless people. How about praying? Pray for those who mistreat you. Is that a feeling? No, it's an action. And so what Jesus is saying is, is not as simple as like, you know, you, you have to somehow conjure up warm feelings towards people who are mean to you. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, I want you to adopt a disposition of treating others well, even when they mistreat you. All right, so this is not about a feeling, not about, um, it's about adopting a particular disposition. Uh, one scholar I read said this, that the last three commands reveal that the command to love one's enemies does not appeal to the emotions, but to the will. It's about what you choose to do and how you choose to behave and act. Jesus did not command his followers to feel in a certain way, but to act in a certain way. So this is, this is about actions, okay? We need to make that clear from the start. It doesn't really make it any easier, though, right? Do good actions towards others, regardless of their actions towards you. And in fact, this is such a difficult teaching of Jesus that at certain points in church history, some people have read this, and the other things in the Sermon on the Plain or the Sermon on the Mount. And in the back of their minds was floating around uh, other teachings from the New Testament that are like, hey, no one's righteous, not even one. And they've concluded, based off this, that actually Jesus did not expect anyone to actually do this. That Jesus' whole point is like, hey, here's the bar of righteousness. It's up here. You can't do it. You need to rely on God's grace. Uh, Martin Luther, one of the uh, famous reformer said, there's not a single passage in the, sermon, in, in the sermon that can be regarded as a commandment applicable to us. <laughs> wow. Thanks, Martin Luther. Well, he, uh, I'm, I'm grateful for the Reformation, but not grateful for this interpretation, okay? Um, I think this is actually wrong. And if you've ever been taught this, um, I don't think it's correct, and here's why. Because of Jesus' own words and how he concludes this message. I think this is strong proof that no, Jesus actually wanted us to do this. Uh, here's skipping forward a bunch of verses to the very end of this message, the Sermon on the Plain. And by the way, this is identical to how the Sermon on the Mount ends. So it's true both ways. And Jesus says this, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things I say? I will show you what someone is like who comes to me, hears my words, and acts on them. He's like a man building a house who dug deep, laid the foundation on the rock. When the flood came, 
And unfortunately for some of us, this is a uh, <laughs> recently true thing, right? When the flood came, the river crashed against that house and couldn't shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears and does not act is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The river crashed against it and immediately it collapsed. And the destruction of that house was great. Uh, so uh, we, we don't have uh, kids' classes going on for a summer. We're on break from that. Um, but I'm going to try and do some little uh, times for kids. Kids, hopefully this helps you pay attention. And uh, I know sometimes I talk a long time. I'm sorry. I'm working on that slowly and steadily. Uh, but could I have a couple kid volunteers to help me out with a demonstration to show what Jesus is talking about? Raise your hand if you'd like to. All right, come on up. All right, how about one more? Holly, you want to come up to? All right, come on. And can, can you remind me of your name? Jenna. Thank you, Jenna, for helping me out today. And Jenna and Holly are going to be my helper. So uh, you guys get to each choose a house. All right, this is a house. It's a, kind of a silly-looking house, I know. And both of these houses are similar. You see sand beneath them. Uh, but what you're going to see in a minute is there's something else beneath one of them. But you can't tell, can you? Is that too heavy for you, Holly? You got it? All right, what, Jenna and Holly, your job is to make it rain on the house and see what happens to the foundation of that house, okay? Can you help me out by doing that? Do either you need help or are you good? All right, you guys ready? You can go. See what happens. I didn't test this, so this is always fun. <laughs> oh, wow. That's all right. <laughs> it fell down again. What's going on? I'm just going to help you out a little bit there, Holly. <laughs> wow, great job. All right. You guys can call it good. All right. Thank you, Jenna. Thank you, Holly. And uh, hey, girls, actually stay up here just for one minute. Um, all right, tell me a little bit about what happened. What happened? Why did, why did this one not fall down? Yeah, because there was a stone under it, a big brick, right? And that's like what Jesus is talking about, where he says, when you make a house, you should build it on a solid foundation. Now, in our day and time, we can make concrete, and so we can make a foundation anywhere, okay? But in Jesus' day, um, they didn't have that mastered yet, and so you had to actually find, you had to keep digging until you found rocky, a rocky level and then build your house on that. Otherwise, what happened to yours, Jenna? What would happen? <laughs> It falls down, right? It doesn't stand. Now, it's okay if you guys don't know this, because I was reading it before I called you up here, and I can reread it, and I want you to think about it. So Jesus tells this story. He says there's two houses. One has a good foundation. One has the other. Do you remember, though, in Jesus' story, he was trying to make a point? And do you remember his point of either what is this like or what is this like? You can tell me either one. Do you guys remember? And it's okay, again, if you don't. But if you do, teach us. All right, let me, let me tell you really quick. So Jesus says, here's interesting. He says there's something similar about both, both of these. He says the house is like people, okay? So this is like a person and this is like a person. And what's interesting is that Jesus says, both of these hear my words. Both people hear his words but only one of them actually does them. And he says, the person that does what I tell them 
is like this house, and the person who does not do what I say is like this person, and the foundation doesn't last. Does that make sense what Jesus is saying? That's why your coloring page is a little house standing with uh, a house in the foreground not standing. So if you guys want to color, you can. All right, Holly, Jenna, thank you so much for your help here. That was so helpful. Thank you. I just find it so fascinating. Jesus says that the difference is not who hears his words. He's assuming both of these builders in this analogy hear his words. The difference, he says, is what you do with them, whether or not you actually do what he says. And the, this flood coming and this great rainstorm coming, it sounds like judgment, right? Judgment is coming for all. Will you stand on that judgment? It depends on what you do with Jesus. What have you done with Jesus and that is demonstrated, what you've, what you've done with Jesus in your heart, if he really is Lord of your life, is demonstrated in your actions. Do you obey what he says or choose to go your own way? In some ways, um, perhaps if Jesus was around today, he would use the analogy of directions and GPS. going to uh, make fun of Jake a little bit here. <laughs> Just over a week ago, we were in Montana for someone's wedding, and, um, and we were driving back to our Airbnb, and uh, Jake wanted to look up directions, like, no, no, I know where it is, it's fine, because <laughs> I had driven there and back <laughs> that morning, so I was like, no, I got it, and um, several times, I was like, okay, you got to turn up here, and Jake was like, are you sure? Yes. Yes, I am. Yes, you have to turn here. He's like, this is the wrong way. I was like, no, it's, it's the right way. So he turned, but I could tell he was very hesitant. And after I was like, oh, yeah, yeah okay, I remember. And then uh, once or twice, he was about to turn somewhere else. I was like, what are you doing? No, you keep going straight here. He's like, no, are you sure? He's like, yes, I'm sure. And then he did. And he's like, oh, that's what I did wrong last night when I was driving. Uh, <laughs> now, proud to say I got us where we needed to go. And uh, I feel like Jesus is saying, right, uh, I'm giving you directions for life. And if you just hear what I say and then go whichever route seems best to you, you're not going to go where you need to go. It's not just about hearing my directions. It's about obeying them. You've got to steer the way I tell you to steer and again, here's the difficult thing, right? What, what, is, what is Jesus telling us? What is the direction he's giving us here? Love everyone without exception. That's the way I want you to steer your life in the direction of love. So let's look at when he um, expands on this. This is right after when he gives this instructions to love everyone. Um, he draws an interesting comparison. He says, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do what is good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to be repaid in full. It's interesting to me. It's almost like Jesus is saying, I want you to be different than everyone else. That if you are a follower of me, your life should look different than the average person out there. But it's not about, you know, wearing a Jesus shirt. Right? I'm a fan of Jesus shirts, right? That's great. But that's not what he says it should be different, right? It's not the clothes you wear or the way you speak or the weird words we sometimes use as Christians. 
That's not what's supposed to set you apart. What is supposed to set you apart from everyone else is how you respond to people who mistreat you and don't love you and even hate you. It says, right, I mean, everyone else just automatically loves those who love them. And if that's all you do, you're no different than everyone else. It says, love everyone without exception. Um, but followers of him are to be countercultural, specifically in this way of loving everyone without exception. And I do think it's true that, that when we do this, people take notice. Uh, in getting ready for this message, I was just looking at different stories, and there's so many. Um, I chose this one just because Eric Lomax was uh, a soldier. Uh, let me read you some of his story. Uh, Eric Lomax's story is a testament to the incredible power of love and forgiveness. Uh, he was a British Army officer during World War II. He endured unimaginable suffering while working on the Burma Siam Railway. Uh, he was captured. He was subjected to brutal torture by his Japanese captors. Years later, after the war was done, um, Lomax discovered that one of his tormentors, Nagase Takashi, had transformed his life and become a tour guide uh, at the bridge on the River Kwai. And rather than harboring resentment and seeking revenge, Lomax made the courageous decision to confront his past and embark on a journey of reconciliation. He traveled back to the place of his trauma. Lomax came face to face with Nagase, and uh, this was a powerful counter that changed both of their lives. And Lomax chose to extend for forgiveness to Nagase. Lomax uh, wrote an uh, autobiography, and one of the things he says is that hate is corrosive of the person who harbors it. It is a poison that disfigures the soul. And it's just so interesting to me because whether you look at the story of Eric Lomax or, or so many other Christians who have done what Jesus said, right? They didn't just hear his teaching, they did it. It's stories like these that people write books about and make movies about because it's so remarkable. It's so different than our automatic gut response that any of us would do. And that's what Jesus is saying, right? Don't do what everyone else would do. Go way beyond that. Love even those who hate you and persecute you and mistreat you. He says, but love your enemies. Do what is good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And then your reward will be great. And you will be children of the most high. For he is gracious to the ungrateful and evil. And I love this reference to God, right? How did, how did God treat you and I? when we were his enemies. That's what Jesus is pointing us to. So you also be merciful just as your father also is merciful. Love everyone without exception. And when we do that, it's like we're acting as mirrors to reflect God's love out to the world. And people see and they take notice. Now, maybe you're here today and you're like, okay, yeah, I Great, cool. Um, nothing's really coming to mind, though. Like, I, I don't have any enemies. Like, we're not, Lord willing, uh, and thankfully, we're not, no, at this point in time, we're not, our country is not literally at war, right? Um, I, can't I can't think of any enemies. Uh, here's just a question to get at that, okay? 
Let's pretend for a moment Jesus came to you. He's like, hey, I know this is a tough command. So I'm going to give you permission to exclude one person from it. (laughs) You need to love your enemies except for blank. You don't have to love them, right? Who would you pick or choose? That is a good, don't don't answer out loud, please, yeah. Um, that, That is a good starting point to consider who maybe you should begin praying for and thinking of ways to even bless or do good to. Again, when we do that, that's when the world takes notice. Love, do good, bless, pray, love everyone without exception. This is Jesus' analogy to explain what he's after because even though love is this action-oriented, it's not just about our behavior. And Jesus makes that clear uh, in this part of the sermon where he says, a good tree doesn't produce bad fruit. On the other hand, a bad tree doesn't produce good fruit for each tree is known by its own fruit. Figs aren't gathered from thorn bushes or grapes picked from a bramble bush. A good person produces good out of the good stored up in his heart. An evil person produces evil out of the evil stored up in his heart. For his mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. So Jesus gives this analogy. Uh, and he's saying what comes from you, the, 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 the words that come from your mouth, the words that come out of your mouth, and the actions that you do, are a reflection of what's in your heart. Now, I, I, I don't want you to take this too far because there's also the teaching, like we're all a work in progress. None of us are perfect, right? So Jesus is not saying, oh, something bad came out of your mouth once. Obviously, you're a sinful, evil person, not a follower. Right? No, that's not what I'm saying. But it is true that what Jesus is getting at is not just behavior modification, right? He's not just saying like, yeah, you know, grunt and endure it and do the nice thing while all the while in your heart, you're like cursing them. He's like saying, I want you to love your enemies from your heart. And if you're like, but, but that, my heart's not there. It's not there. As you're saying, well, maybe you need a new one. Maybe you need a different kind of heart. And he gives this analogy of right, what you plant and the kind of, uh, kind of plant it is determines the fruit that it bears. It reminds me of the silly scene in the movie Wally, where um, the captain is just learning about the planet Earth and things that grow and how things used to work, if you've ever seen the movie. And this is what he says. He, he's just fascinated by this. He says, Earth is amazing. These are, these are called farms. Humans will put seeds in the ground, pour water on them, and they grow food, like pizza. Uh, not quite, but he is getting at the fact. It is an amazing thing. Right? You plant a seed and it grows. Not just that, but if you plant um, a vegetable or fruit, right? It grows, it grows food out of the ground from something you water. And Jesus' point is our actions are like that fruit. And so if your actions aren't good, you should consider what's going on in your heart. He's not just about the outside behavior, but the inner life of your heart. It's like all the time with our kids, 
when they hurt each other. We're like, no, you guys can't do that. That's, that's against the rules, right? You need to say sorry. And you probably know what they say. Sorry. Uh, Okay, you said the right words, but um, really, we wanted to get after your heart. We wanted you to actually be sorry, right? That's what Jesus is saying. I don't want you to just, like, run through and be like, all right, here's a gift card. My personal enemy, you. (laughs) He wants this to be from a transformed heart. And I think this is only doable if you let God change that heart. If you let God work in you from the inside out and transform who you are, and then it trickles out to actions in your life. Love everyone without exception. And Jesus is focusing on heart change, not just behavior modification. Love everyone without exception. When we do that, right, like we talk about the world's going to take notice. But here's the sad truth. Sometimes people are like, wow, that's amazing. You're such a reflection of God's love. And sometimes if you do this, the opposite will happen. And so we're going to conclude today with the words that actually Jesus introduces and starts off his message with. Uh, This is known as the Beatitudes. And Jesus begins his sermon this way. He says, then looking up at his disciples, he said, blessed are you who are poor because the kingdom of God is yours. Blessed are you who are are hungry now because you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now because you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you, insult you, and slander your name as evil because of the Son of Man. When Jesus says the Son of Man, he's referring to himself. Uh, It was one of Jesus' favorite titles to describe who he was, probably because Messiah was so confusing until he died and rose again. So, what is Jesus' encouragement? Love everyone without exception. And you're going to be so blessed in the aftermath when people hate you, exclude you, and insult you, and slander your name as evil. Yeah. It's weird, isn't it? (laughs) What is Jesus saying? Uh, And I left one out, sorry. Uh, Rejoice in that day when that happens. Not if it happens, notice. When that happens, rejoice and leap for joy. Take note, your reward is great in heaven. For this is the way their ancestors used to treat the prophets. Here's Jesus' uh, quote-unquote encouragement. That if you follow Jesus and you love even those who do not love you and who mistreat you and who hate you, you should expect to be treated the same way Jesus was treated. And how was Jesus treated? Well, actually in very divergent ways, right? Some people were so amazed by him and his love that they chose to follow him with their lives and become his disciple. Other people said he has to die. And they crucified him and they whipped him, and they put him on a cross, dying the most shameful death that Rome could think of. That was Jesus' reward for living a life of perfect love. 
And Jesus is encouraging us who follow him, look, it's not going to be all sunshine and roses if you love everyone the way I love you. But that shouldn't make you despair. He says, right, he says rejoice. Why? Because great is your reward in heaven. It's not, that, it's not that doing this earns you something in heaven. It's that doing this demonstrates that you really are a follower of Jesus. If you really are a follower of Jesus, you're going to have great reward in heaven. And if you really are a follower of Jesus, you're going to obey him and follow him with your life. You're going to love others the way he loved you. And so when this happens, when you're mistreated, and this is the challenge for us, because all of us, whenever we're mistreated, you know what our reaction is? What did I do wrong, God? I did everything right, and they, they're treating me like trash. Why are you punishing me, God? Right? He says, no. When others treat us in this way, that's actually confirmation, like, good job. You're doing the right thing. Because that's how they treated the prophets who were faithful in the Old Testament at Jesus' point. And when you look through the Gospels, you see this is how they treated him, who was perfect love. Just a quick side note as we explore this. Um, that word blessed is very confusing to us, partly because there's not a good English word to translate it to. Um, so in the original language that the New Testament was written in in Greek, it's uh, makarios. And it's often translated uh, blessed, but it's hard to get at. So um, some of you have read the book Misreading Scripture with Western Eyes um, by scholars uh, Randolph Richards and Brandon J. O'Brien. And they explore um, basically the differences, not just in the, the, what the word means, but the Eastern and Western backgrounds of that word. And what they argue is that the true meaning of the word makarios extends beyond just kind of blessed or happy. Um, it's kind of getting at like well-being and contentment and flourishing. So it's really weird, and this is why they don't translate it that way, but you could say like flourishing are you when people hate you, right? Full of well-being and contentment are you. It's trying to describe a state of inner joy and fulfillment that's bigger than the circumstances of life. You could think of it as elevating your perspective from what is happening on the surface to who you're looking to for meaning and direction. It's almost like Jesus is saying, even when people treat you this way, you're the lucky ones. You're the fortunate ones. Your life is actually better than it feels because you're being faithful to me. You're following my directions for life. This reminds me of um, my parents. And uh, before I was even born, so sorry, mom and dad, if I get this story a little wrong. <laughs> before I was even born, my parents visited some poor, rich friends. So at this time in my parents' life, uh, they were crazy, incredibly busy. And life was crazy. And they visited some friends of theirs who uh, were very financially poor. Um, but they had chosen to live that way to, like, enjoy the good life that God gave them. And so they, my parents visited them, and they had no money but, like, so much family time and love and enjoyment. And my parents, I guess, like, looked at each other and were like, why are we living the way we're living? 
Like we, we are working so hard and yet our friends have, are living the good life, really. And seeing that changed how they chose to live their life. Um, it affected my life growing up in more ways than I can probably articulate because by the time I came along, they had actually taken that mindset and applied it to their own life. It changed how they lived their life. And it's a funny thing where for my parents, when they saw that, right, what they're saying, like, you guys are so rich who are so poor, right? That's really what they saw in their friends and what they chose to start living. And that's what Jesus is saying. When you live this way, you're going to be mistreated and you are so well off. You're going to be cursed and you are so blessed. And it's weird, but that's what he's saying. Because you're living into my kingdom way of life. You're living the right way to live in this broken world. You're following my GPS directions for life. You're actually obeying it. You're showing that your life is built on the foundation of my teaching. You're demonstrating that you really are one of my followers. And being my follower is the best way to live. So, we're going to close with a, a song in a moment. And as we do so, uh, I just want to encourage you to spend some time prayerfully reflecting to Jesus of how this affects you and what he might be calling you to change or address. It could be that you need to address what's going on in your heart. That when you look at your life, there's not simply no loving actions towards your enemies. It's that there's no loving heart towards people who mistreat you. You don't want to treat them well. And maybe that's a sign that God's work hasn't gone deep in your heart. And you just want to spend some time praying, God, would you have your way deep in my heart? Would you transform me from the inside out? Maybe you're here today and you're just exploring all of this. But like my parents saw their friends live a different way and wanted that for themselves, maybe you've heard something that shows you that there's a different way to live and you want that for you. I just want to encourage you, that's a free gift that Jesus offers to all. Life in him, forgiveness, reconciliation with God. And that's free for you. It's costly and it's free. And I want to invite you to say yes to that life. And if you don't know how to go about doing that or what that means, um, one of us on staff would love to talk with you and most importantly, pray with you and, and help you understand that more. And for those of us who've been following Jesus, maybe it's just that that law of love that's so simple to understand is so difficult to do. It would be a good time to just pray and say, God, would you help me truly love others the way you love me? Would you help me love even my enemies, even those who mistreat me? Would you ask God to work in your heart and then in your actions? We're the lucky ones, the blessed ones, even in the midst of people understanding us. So let me pray for us, and the worship team, you can come on back up. Jesus, your teaching is so simple and so difficult. And I know all of us are works in progress as we seek to follow you, to obey your teaching. 
as we seek to let your grace seep deeper into our own hearts and lives and then overflow into how we treat others. And God, so, so wherever each of us are at in, in doing that and allowing your spirit to do that and participating with that work, would you help us to keep going, to not give up? God, I'm so grateful for all the stories as I look around today. I know so many people have expressed love like this to people that were so difficult to love. Thank you so much for their faithfulness. I pray we be inspired by each other's example and your example, Jesus. And again, keep pressing forward. And for anyone here who, who doesn't know you, God, would your spirit keep working in their heart and removing those, those blocks, those pieces of walls that might be between them and you. And when they come to a point and see where they come to know that your arms are open wide for them and to them. And you'd love nothing more than for them to come home. Thank you for this time we've been able to share together. And would your spirit now work in each of us and would each of us respond to you in the way you want us to in this time. In your name we pray. Amen. <laughs>